0: Money is an awesome thing If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings Welcome to Straight Talk, Clear Decisions with Rick Saylor and co-host Eric Hamburg. As an investor, you should know what you're buying and what you're really holding. We'll demystify investing and lay it all out for you in easy-to-understand terms. Now, here's Rick and Eric.
1: Rick Sailor, smooth financial sailing For the best part of your life
2: well, I'm Rick. And I'm Eric. And we are your transparent wealth management hosts. Welcome to our show. Hey, and another happy Friday to you, my friend. Happy Friday to you. You know, on a short week, it's, uh, um, it's a little nicer, a little sweeter.
3: It is, until you look at the weather forecast. And about as soon as we walk out of this office, it's supposed to be raining until Monday morning. So,
2: Well, yeah, I, we'd like to schedule that in a perfect world. But um, we know that on they, every life, a little rain must fall. And they my, are my dad, my late father used to call that liquid sunshine.
3: That's right. They are weathermen, so you know there's a good chance one of the two days it'll be sunny.
2: That's right. You well, still know they, which they one. they sound pretty accurate. You know, we did that on talked about that on the show that some of the most accurate people in the entire world on their predictions are weather people in a three to four day forecast. That's right. So it's probably not going to bode well for us. But uh, I to say this: Memorial Day weekend was great. They said it was going to rain on Monday. I think it sprinkled. Mm-hmm. You know where I was at, and I know some people. Uh, down um, where I actually live, not the lake house, said they got poured on. It, it poured. It wasn't too bad,
3: though. Not, not as what they were expecting. I'll put it that way.
2: Hey, you know what? I, I planted some grass, and for the first time in my life, it grew. It's growing? And it needs We water. like those. These water, and I, li- <laughs> I, like, I like free watering systems, <laughs> you know, known as the uh, the God-driven rain. That's it. So, you know, Eric, on this, this whole idea of transparent wealth management, you know, an end-to-end, what we call a holistic process. You know, we really are covering the four pillars of investing, of taxes, of insurance protection, and estate planning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having those work well together is is crucial, you know, to a successful long-term, you know, financial wealth uh, accumulation. And so folks can, you know, keep their wealth, grow their wealth, use it, and then when they're done, pass it on. Mm-hmm. And so um you know that kind of like Steve Jobs created an Apple with that end-to-end process is what we like to refer to, to to mitigate the dysfunction between the pieces. And that's really what we've we've accomplished here at Rick Saylor Financial, and, and that's what we like as a model. We think that's uh that's the best model in terms of focusing on the clients, finding out what's broken and then being part of the solution to help them fix it, and it doesn't. You don't have to have that all in one place. You just have it have to. You have to have it integrated and and working together. Working well together. That's right. So a couple of disclosures um, about our show, as we typically have, is that it's you know it's educational in nature. Don't take it as advice. You should always seek uh, investment advice, tax legal advice. Uh, from a And also, we mentioned real estate or anything prior to taking any action. Uh, it's sometimes the items we'll give you will seem forward-looking. And nobody has a crystal ball. We can't predict the future. So we do rely quite a bit on demographics. We like that. We like the work of H.S. Dent Group, the independent research group, uh, which is a lot of the material we draw from that. And the opinions we're going to express today will be our own. That's it. Not our broker-dealer, not National Planning Corporation. So when we think about, you know, again, the four pillars, I think about investment. And we are both, you know, fee-based or commissioned, whatever the solution the client needs. We are a registered investment advisor as well as under a broker-dealer relationship. So, again, we want to offer the solution that best fits that, uh, that client's needs.
3: For taxes, you know, we do – no, I should say we do. Our partners, our CPAs that we partner with do both tax planning and preparation. Preparation is mandatory. We all need to file a return. The planning is optional. So what they can do is uh, go back, I believe it's three years, look at any past returns for the last three years to see if there were any mistakes. If there was a mistake, we can go back, maybe try to fix it and amend it and refile for that year. But if we can't fix it, we just have to know how to avoid – That mistake we've made so we don't step on that same landmine. We don't keep paying unnecessary taxes, if possible, in the future.
2: And we carry insurance licenses, although there's not enough hours in the day. So we have partners that do most of that. But, you know, insurance protection, having the right protection is crucial because it takes your entire life to build your wealth. It takes only one one slip and it could all be gone. Um, I'm still reminded of that commercial of farmers where the kid's going to jump in that big, lavish pool, and before he hits it, it turns into a little pond. And it's the idea that you got to know what coverages you have and, and know that you're paying a fair price for it. Um, and that doesn't matter if it's life insurance, long-term care, or the new hybrid products that are life insurance, long-term care products, disability, uh, car insurance, house insurance, make sure you've got umbrella coverage cover all the bases.
3: And the best part is, you know, understand what your coverage is before something happens. The last piece, the last pillar is estate planning and elder law. So we work with both estate planning attorneys and elder law attorneys. And, you know, you've grown your assets, you've accumulated wealth, you're trying to pass it on to your loved ones, to your heirs, to your charities. The last thing you want to see happen is courts and hospitals and attorneys receive a nice chunk of your inheritance, of your estate, I'm sorry. So if you can you know, create an estate to where your beneficiaries, your loved ones actually receive the good majority of your assets. You know, we work with estate planning and elder law attorneys to try to accomplish that for every one of you.
2: So in addition to that, we occasionally have guests on the show and that's what we're doing today. That's it. Uh, Our topic's going to be actually kind of driven by Jordan Goodman, who's also on the Voice America Network and has quite a following. It's pretty impressive. In fact, when I was reading his resume... I said, when I grow up, I want a resume. I want a bio like that. (laughs) I'm still not grown up yet. I'm only 32 years at this. I think as we read in uh, Jordan's bio, he's been doing it 37 years. Uh, He was with Money Magazine for 18 years. He's been on TV. He's been on radio. Uh, It's been very impressive. CNN, CBS, ABC, Fox News Network, the Fox Business News Network. And he's really been kind of a America's money answer man. Focused on a lot of areas, he's written a number of books, and we uh, we just read his book "Master Your Debt, Slash Your Monthly Payments, and Become Debt Free." That's a popular topic among you know folks that have accumulated debt, and I think to some degree we all have a certain amount of debt. Debt is not bad, you just said that's got to be controlled. Got to use it, don't get used by it. That's right. Which is a lot of what uh, Jordan drilled down on his in his book, and even though it was written in. 2010, uh, it's still, a lot of these principles are still applicable today.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: So, uh, Jordan, welcome to the show.
4: Great to be with you guys.
2: So, uh, how is life wherever it is you're calling us in from?
4: (laughs) I'm from Westchester, New York, and uh, life is good. I mean, uh, you're right, I did write that book in 2010, but uh, that was, the reason for it was the new Credit Card Act had just been passed at that time, Um, so that was a kind of new thing. But the principles still do remain. There's still a lot of debt. Our credit card debt is at an all-time record high again. And the thing that's really going up a lot is student loan debt right now, dramatically so. I mean, Absolutely. we have $1.3 trillion in student loan debt outstanding now. The graduation season we're in right now is going to add about $100 billion in new student loan debt. So that is a big problem. So all the things I talked about then remain to be just as big a problem today, if not more.
2: And I think that's, you know, we're, we're challenged by the fact You know, uh, without debating why we're where we're at, but, um, you know, we look at that fact and say, you know, here we've got an economy that doesn't really acclimate these educated people into the workforce where that they now they're responsible for the debt. And and now that the clock starts ticking. They have to start paying it up. It's back because they have, in fact, retired or retired. They've graduated.
4: graduated. Yeah. Yeah. People who are retired are getting debt, too, actually. But let's talk about the graduations for the moment here. So uh, about 50% of the people graduating this year are going to go back and live at home again, 50%. Because uh, if they're servicing their student loans, they don't have enough money to rent and buy a place and get cars and start families and kind of do the normal thing that people getting out of college normally do. They just don't have the money for it. So that is a huge demographic change, and I think it's helping or hurting the real estate market. The real estate market needs first-time home buyers coming in so people can move up to bigger houses. Well, there's a lot fewer first-time home buyers because a lot of these people getting out of college can't buy homes, so they can't even rent apartments. Never mind buy homes. The average age of the first-time home buyer in this country today is 42. Is that amazing? Used to be oh, 28.
2: Wow. That's, that's a shock.
4: Yeah, because it's because it's it's really hard for people to put together a 20% down payment, get yep. a good credit score of 700 plus, do all the things you need to do to be able to qualify to buy a home. That is changing the real estate market in a major way, so and, and that's because of the student loan uh, debt out there. Now, there's about – the average person has 29000 in student loan debt. A lot of people way more than that, $50,000, 100, 150000 something like that. There are 150 colleges in this country uh, with tuitions more than 60000 a year. Is that staggering? <laughs> it's just pretty amazing. And so that's what's happening out there. People go Now, to some extent, people are saying, I don't want to do that, and I'm going to go to the in-state – um, state university that has a lower tuition uh, instead of going out of state to some private school at 60000 plus. But no matter what, people are not saving enough for college and therefore every dollar they're not saving is one they have to borrow. And here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing, none of the kids are burdened, the parents are maxed out completely. They've borrowed against their 401ks, home equity, no. life insurance, <laughs> anything that stands they'll, they'll borrow against. Do you think and a, now so, the grandparents are starting to uh, borrow against their assets for the grandkids? That's the, the latest thing now. Jordan, do you think a
3: lot of that has to do with kids graduating? You know, called high school and college today, um, they're not really educated in that personal finance. You a know, lot of that is true. Like, yeah. About I mean, so when, there when are currently
4: go- 17 states that require uh, some kind of personal finance education to graduate at the high school level. College. Zero, basically. I mean, you just don't get I, – I went uh, – you know, I do a lot of speaking at, at various colleges and things. And I went to one. I won't mention which it was. And I said I'd like to give a speech and help them with their personal finances and all that. And the head of the economics department said, what you're talking about is too practical. Exactly what he said. He said, what we do here is academic. And they don't need to know about this stuff until they get out in the real world, like mutual funds and 401Ks and insurance policies. And that's that's exactly what he said. It's too Practical. Not academically rigorous enough. So that's their attitude. So great. <laughs> so People go out in the world without having a clue what they're doing with their money and you get your first job and they hand you this packet for this 401k that's got 50 different options and you this don't have any idea what language they're even speaking. It's just crazy.
2: Yeah, and with the, with the new fiduciary rules that, be, uh, that are coming out of pike and in the Department of Labor, and who's a fiduciary? We are fiduciaries, and we yep. have been for seven or eight years, but it's changing the rules even between what constitutes education and what constitutes advice, and it actually is going to get worse from what we can see.
4: Well, it because, is, and what it means is that a lot of advisors are not going to want to advise people, and they've got even more money. It's not going to make economic sense to advise somebody. It doesn't now, and it's going to make even less sense with all these fiduciary rules because it's not, it doesn't pay. So it means right now, most financial advisors are kind of concentrated at the top end anyway. The top five, I'll be generous, 10% of the population. I think with the new fiduciary standards, they're going to want to go even more upscale because it's not going to make sense to give advice on which you're on the hook if you don't get paid for it.
2: Exactly, exactly. So it's interesting that you had mentioned this with this. Uh, we talk about this. This quagmire that, uh, you know, that the economy seems to be in in the longest recession, you know, in the history maybe of our country. And we've said all along that, you know, it's certain, some of it's policy, but a lot of it is, you know, the whole demographic story where that – and it was interesting when you said the – because we, we've talked about that on the show, how the building and buying of houses and the building and buying of cars are the number one and number two drivers in the economy.
4: Yeah, but, you look because, at home sales. They're a lot fewer than they used to be. I mean, they're, they're better than they were two or three years ago, but compared to the peak, nothing close to those numbers. And new home sales are like 500000 a year. We were, we were doing $1.5 million, $2 million a oh, year. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely. for de- demographic reasons because people can't afford – I think it's can't afford, and I think to some extent, the millennials don't want to buy houses. Even if they could afford it, they don't want to be tied down. They're going to be moving from one job to another, and who knows what the real estate market's going to be like when they need to sell – so they say i 'm going to rent permanently. I think that 's a change in a lot of lot of young people. The American dream of the home and the picket fence I think may be fading to some extent
2: yeah and that's that's uh, that 's unfortunate and I'm, you know as I look up on the horizon some of the dynamics and you know some things the more things uh, change, the more they stay the same and one of the things that we 've seen, like the number you had just quoted forty two as a first time home buyer well. We've seen in the, in the demographic work of H.S. Dent that they, you know, in the 20s, they're coming out of college, living in apartments. By 31 was mm-hmm. family, you know, establishing a family. And that was where we understood the first uh, initial home purchase was. No, that, <laughs> that, yeah, that was several years
4: ago. That was before house trade, prices well, went up, before the, trade, the, it was, uh, like the
2: banks. 42 to 45 or something. And so now you're telling me it's changed by a decade.
4: Right. Well, because it's banks just, have made their credit criteria much more difficult. You need a 20% down payment on a home that's at a much higher level. And you need a good credit score. You can't do a 700 credit score right out of college. you got to have it established over time, right? And if they're not getting enough income from their jobs to do more than service their student loan debt, how are they going to build a good credit record? So uh, this is why it's getting much, much older, the people buying. Now, one thing that's changed in the housing market and why the housing market is pretty strong in America is foreigners. And a lot of in-migration – That's where the money is coming from to buy homes these days. Um, America is the safe haven of the world. You see all the crazy things going on in the Middle East and so on. There's money coming in here from Brazil and China and India and Korea and Germany and Saudi Arabia all over the place because we are a safe haven. So that's making the net difference, uh, making up for the younger people that can't afford to buy homes these days.
2: Well, and that's, and I, you know, we got to look at that from a, from a, you've got a lot of answers in your book on how to, to service debt, yes. Uh, and one of the programs you had mentioned in there about, which we'll get into the next segment of the show here, but consolidation programs and income-based repay uh, uh, repayment, IBR, IBR
4: program for college loans, correct? Uh huh. Yeah. After the break, uh-huh. I'll be glad to go into that in detail.
2: Yep. And uh, and I know we we've, we've got some things here briefly on credit card debt. You know how to get the best mortgage?
4: I've you got know, answers on everything, so these people should stay tuned. And I'm going to give them websites and practical things to help them out. You bet. Absolutely
2: absolutely. Well we appreciate that. Well, I guess we should have uh, one of the things we wanted to say was welcome all of Jordan Goodman 's listeners to the show, and uh, of course, welcome back our listeners. That's right. We always appreciate you being there. We're going to have a great giveaway today on the program. Uh, if you contact us in, if you call, you can ask a live question at eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. That's 866-472-5790, or if you're a little shy and you want to send it to us via email, info at com, and we'll answer, uh, answer your question on Aaron. Just for contacting us on either one of those, we're going to give away Jordan's latest book, Master Your Debt, and I think this is a great uh, – thanks for the signed copy, by the way, Jordan.
4: Absolutely. Well, I uh, said help, is, help your clients master their debts.
2: This is staying in my collection. I'm not I'm – not, I let Eric – Read it a little bit, but I, I took it back. Well, not that
4: you would have any debts, uh, Rick, but Eric may have some debts, so maybe we can help both of you. <laughs> yeah. Am I just right that on st- that, Eric?
3: Just that student loan debt. I'm, uh, what, eight years out of college, so. All it's, right. That's going to be paid
4: off. You got another 22 years to go or something?
3: No chance. <laughs> <laughs> I got about two, maybe. Good.
4: You're so. way ahead of the curve.
2: And Eric, unlike many others, started out. you started out owning a, ha- a condo, Yep, which is what I had done. And then transitioned out of that recently and... To a house. Got married, got a house. You had you had Champ the Magic Dog He's still, b- before you met Autumn, didn't you? I did. He <laughs> likes the new house.
4: <laughs> Dogs can be expensive, actually, more than wives sometimes, yes. <laughs> Not a bad thing. I won't thing. comment on that. She might be listening.
2: <laughs> so we're going to drill down on a lot of these topics. I think they're going to be very helpful and very useful. We're going to get into some, some even some investment insurance type stuff we're going to talk about as well. But right now we want to... You know, start out, we'll be addressing some of these debt issues and some of the, the issues that are plaguing not just individuals, but the country as a whole. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Straight Talk, Clear Decisions radio show with your no-nonsense host, Rick Saylor.
3: And Eric Hamburg.
2: Rick
1: Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life.
4: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings.
2: Hey, what about estate planning? An up-to-date will guarantees you're going to go through probate. And without, well, don't worry about it. The government will decide for you. The three enemies to an estate today are, number one, the federal inheritance tax, two, probate, and number three, income tax. So your choices here are you can give all your money away. That might not be any fun. You may need it. Or you can create a trust to hold those assets. And remember, you don't have to own the assets to enjoy the benefits. So a revocable living trust can help avoid the expenses and costly delays of probate, and along with a living will, power of attorney, durable health care power of attorney. So be sure and ask about our attorney partners today for a free consultation.
1: best part of your life money is an awesome thing
0: if you know how to handle it the joy it brings
2: hey have you heard about the new long-term care alternatives many of you may know how i managed my mother's care and i took her through her money in the spend down into the veterans benefits my father was a two-time korean war vet and right into the medicaid she started out at $2,700 a month in assisted living, and at the end of her life, two years later, it was over 8000 The three concerns I hear the most about long-term care insurance protection is that it's expensive, the premiums are rising, and I may never use it. Well, why don't you try what I did? I bought a life insurance long-term care. They can't cancel me, the premiums can never go up, and oh yeah, I can spend that death benefit before I die if I'm critically, chronically, or terminally ill. Be sure and ask your advisor today.
1: Sailor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life
0: when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it the joy of
2: Straight Talk, Clear Decisions radio show with your Straight Talk Money host, Rick Saylor. And Eric Hamburg. So, Eric, we're on this topic. We've actually got a guest today, Jordan Goodman. And uh, we're on this topic really of mastering your debt. And uh, if you contact us in at 866-472-5790, ask a question or just request the book, that's fine. We're going to give away, um, what do you want to say? 20 5
4: Generous. Five? I'll, I'll do five. How about that?
2: You do five. Okay. If you do I'll five, do I'll do
4: five. We go. Very good. That's
2: so, a lot of debt we're uh, getting
4: people out of. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or if, you, if you're if you a little shy and you want to ask this online, info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com. We'll just read your question on the air and, and address it. So, Jordan, we started out, we were talking about uh, some of the headwinds that are uh, a, kind of a resistance, to say the least, to the economy getting back on track. Demographics playing a big part on this and certainly being a... Um, what I want to say, a, a stumbling block to getting housing going, which is really the biggest driver in the economy when you're building and buying houses. Right. Uh, it, you're leveraging all those things. And then we talked about maybe we can get into how to to deal with some of these uh, these debts and get the sure. best
4: mortgage. Let's start with the mortgage, which is the biggest debt that people have in many cases. So uh, in, in Chapter 6 of Master Your Debt, I have a chapter called Mortgage Free in Five to Seven Years which is talking about the strategy of what's called mortgage equity optimization. And that literally allows you to pay off your mortgage in five to seven years instead of 30 years on the same level of income you've got today. Now, this is not something you going to hear about from the local bank because they would much rather that you pay them for 30 years or even better, pay for 10 years and then refinance and start a 30-year clock all over again, right? That's what the bankers want you to, to, to hear about. But this is where you, the consumer, are going to be able to take control of your situation and pay your mortgage off much faster than possible. So I'm just going to briefly explain how this thing works. You use a home equity line of credit, or what's called a HELOC, which is a liquid line against your house, a second uh, line. You can put money in, you can take it out whenever you like. All right? And so what you do is you keep your income, which is normally sitting in your checking account, earning nothing, in the HELOC, which is pushing down the balance you owe that HELOC every day. HELOCs are based on what's called average daily balance. How much do you owe today? So you put $1,000 that's normally sitting in your checking account in your HELOC. You now owe $1,000 less on your HELOC, right? So you owe interest based on the amount you in balance. And since you owe less uh, principal, you owe less interest. So literally every month that goes by, your um, mortgage balance is going down at an accelerating rate as you pay it off faster. People can't believe it, but that's the way it actually works. Uh, there actually is a website that help people kind of guide them through this whole process, which is truthinequity.com, truthinequity.com. They've helped many, many people do this, and this is very empowering. Can you imagine a young couple buying a home at 35 or something, and they've got their mortgage paid off by 40 instead of 65? <laughs> what a difference in their life that's going to make,
3: right? How does, how does somebody get a HELOC though, Jordan, if let's say they've only got 20% equity down, how are they going to get a HELOC for 80% of the mortgage?
4: No problem. Uh, In other words, if you've got, uh, your first is 80%, they'll do a HELOC for maybe 10% of your equity. The size of the HELOC doesn't matter. What matters is the liquidity of it. You've got to be able to have something that's going back and forth. Um, so let's just take a super simple example, Eric, of how this might work. Say you have a, a home worth 200,000, whatever, something like that. And say your first is 150, all right? So you maybe get a HELOC for 25 on the, the second, something like that. You're gonna take, and I'm gonna go through an example of how you work. You have your HELOC that's now you just opened up, so it hasn't been used yet. You write a check on the HELOC for twenty-five thousand towards your first. So instead of owing one hundred and fifty, you now owe one hundred and twenty-five. You use this technique to pay the HELOC off over six, seven months, however long it takes. So now the twenty-five is paid back to zero. Then you do it again. You do another twenty-five towards your first. So now instead of one hundred and twenty-five, you owe a hundred. Pay the HELOC off in a few months. Do it like four more times, and then whatever three, four, five years, depending on how the numbers work out, uh, your first is paid off. You pay off the HELOC. You are now debt free. That makes sense. It, That's do- pretty awesome. It does now is when you do that HELOC for the listeners, is that going to
3: raise up? Let's say you're currently paying, let's just say two thousand bucks a month for a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Are you when you incur when you open up that HELOC? Is your is the payment going to be roughly the same? Is it going to increase? Is it going to decrease? How does that work? Your mortgage
4: payment remains the same. You're not changing your first mortgage, you're just paying it off faster. So if your payment's two thousand dollars a month, most of that at the beginning is all interest and very little principal, right yeah. So in our example of starting at one hundred and fifty thousand and then now we're down to one hundred and twenty five thousand, you'll still have the same two thousand dollar payment, but a lot more of that money, the two thousand is going towards principal since you owe one hundred and twenty five versus one hundred and fifty. So the payment remains the same, but it's allowing you to make more progress on your principal on the first. As well as on the second, at the same time, with the same money you've already got.
3: So you're using the same money. You're just do- putting in different vehicles to accomplish the same goal.
4: Well, the goal is to pay it off faster. Okay, cool. with with a traditional system where you have your money in a checking account. The way I like to put it is, your money's in the checking account, not earning anything, and instead you can have the same money in your HELOC, not paying anything. Right, the same thousand dollars, which is going to earn zero in your checking account. This is pushing down the amount of principal you owe in the HELOC at an accelerating rate. Now, you pay your bills out of the HELOC as well. The HELOC, in effect, becomes your checking account. And all that money is going through there. Every day you have money in the HELOC pushing down your principal, you're making progress as opposed to making almost no progress. With a traditional 30-year mortgage, the first 10 to 15 years is almost all interest. After 15 years, you may have paid off 10% of the principal, something like that. Now, people kind of know that. And when they close on their mortgage, they'll give them an amortization table saying it, but nobody looks at it. It's like, give me the keys to the house. I don't care what this – I know it's some big number. I don't care. Well, the banks care. That's why the banks have all the big buildings in town is because they're getting all that interest up front.
3: That's it. So when people like all this direct deposit, can you do direct deposit and electronic transfers out of a HELOC? Uh,
4: Certainly electronic transfers. Some will allow direct deposit. Some won't. But if you don't allow it, then they would do direct deposit to your checking account. And you link your checking account electronically with your HELOC and the money's going back and forth all the time. Got but you. the idea is to keep as much money in that HELOC as possible for as long as possible because it's allowing you to make. Now, I actually have some tables in the book. Uh, you, you might have uh, seen it, since you've got a copy of the book there. And you I did. actually show you uh, – I'm, I'm just going to do the 15 – year take a look at page 76 and 77, for example. So here's a 15-year mortgage for $225,000. And the traditional 15-year mortgage over 15 years, you're paying eighteen oh eight a month. Over the fifteen years, you pay a hundred thousand in interest and it takes you fifteen years to pay it off. You see where I am on that? Yep. Okay. Now apples to apples comparison using mortgage optimization. Your income is the same, the mortgage is the same, your house, everything else is the same, but using this technique, you end up paying twenty-two thousand in interest over five years. Done. So I've just saved you eighty thousand dollars in interest and 10 years off your mortgage on the same level of income you've got today.
2: That's pretty awesome.
4: Well, <laughs> yes, it is. I'd like
2: that Ben Franklin rule, penny saved, or in this case, $1,000 saved is $1,000 earned.
4: <laughs> so as you're paying your mortgage off, now you have money to invest. So if, you're, if your mortgage is paid off by age 40 instead of 65, keep making a mortgage payment to yourself after it's paid off. Invest it so your money's growing for you. This has transformed many, many, many people. And again, the website they can find out more about it is truthinequity.com, or my website for the book is master debtcom My overall website is moneyanswers.com as well. So this has transformed a lot of people. You will never hear about this from a bank. In fact, if you tell a bank, say, I'd like to do the mortgage optimization strategy, they will have no idea what you're talking about. And frankly, they have no interest in finding out what it is. Because they just want you to – here's what they're going to typically say. Oh, 30-year mortgage, you've got a 5% rate. Great. Rates drop to 3.5%. I've got a great rate for you, and I've got a great – you're going to lower your payment. What they don't tell you is we just restarted the clock on another 30 years, and all the money you've been paying for interest for the last 10 years, we just threw away. Maybe right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so the impact, the principle on this, Jordan, would be universal. But, of course, is you change the numbers, if you go to a 15 –
4: it's even faster.
2: Oh. Then right. it just accelerates it faster, but you're paying less interest overall on those, but it's still amortized.
4: It's still amortized, correct, but it, it's gonna, the whole thing is going to be speeded up even more. I say maybe seven years on a 30-year mortgage. On a 15-year mortgage, might be you paid off in about four or five years, something like that, correct. The whole thing is accelerated even more. I like people to be out of debt, not in debt, and this is a way that they can do it. Now, this is very common in Australia and Canada and Hong Kong. Other places around the world do this. But there's been resistance to it in the U.S. because the banks are so powerful and don't want to tell people about this at all.
2: Well, we like those best-kept secrets.
4: <laughs> there you go. We've got one right. That's, this is a big one. This is a big that one. That is. That's huge. Called that's mortgage huge equity numbers. optimization. That, you bet.
2: We'll be drilling down on that one a little more. So as we look at – you know, one of the things I think about, of course, we do shelter, housing shelter. You know, you've got to have – Transportation. Don't know that you necessarily have to buy a car, but well, why don't you spend a little time and talk about how to get the best deal in a car, and okay. whether you purchase or lease it.
4: So, okay, purchase versus lease. Um, so the advantages of purchasing are: it, is you have unlimited mileage after you've paid the loan off. You can run into the ground, two hundred, three hundred thousand miles, whatever it may be. Now the disadvantage is if you finance the car, the car depreciates a lot faster than the loan is taken off. So almost everybody. Who's running around with a car? Because got a loan, is underwater in their car. And they haven't driven off a bridge somewhere, okay? Because the value of the car goes down immediately the moment you drive it off the dealer's showroom, but the loan goes down very slowly. Okay. The advantage of leasing is you have less capital tied up in the car. In general, your payments are going to be lower, and in three or four years when your lease comes up, you get a new car. It allows you to upgrade with the latest technology. Now, you have to have decent mileage, not that much mileage to make leasing make sense, typically about 15,000 miles a year. So if you're in that circumstance, or if people have two cars, maybe it makes sense to buy one, drive it to the ground over 10 years, lease the other one and get a new one every three, four years, something like that. If you use the car for business purposes, keep careful records, and you can, in fact, write off the lease cost as well. So there's advantages to both. I always like to say I like to buy things that appreciate like stocks and mutual funds and real estate, and lease things that depreciate. Now, you know the car is going to depreciate. You just don't know how fast, okay? But it's going to depreciate, unless it's one of those rare cars that Jay, Jay Leno has. That's probably not what we're talking about here, you know? <laughs> um, so as far as buying a car, I use a car buying service that gets me the best possible deal, both of the price of the car and leasing and financing. And that website is carq.com, C-A-R-Q.com. the letter I've dealt with them for many years. My last five cars I've done through them. So you go into local dealer, get the best deal you can on your own, have it all written out. You fax it to CarQ, and then they tell you if they can beat it, and usually they can. They're going to charge your fee maybe 300 $400, something like that. I saved $5,000 over the best deal I could get on my own uh, wow. on, on my latest car, which I got an Infinity from. So I'm willing to have them shop it around and both on the shop- leasing or financing and get the best price and then you just go and sign the papers. That, that to me, I like to save time and money, uh, and I'm not going to buy a car rather than often. The queue people are buying thousands of cars a year, so you know, you're not going to be a good negotiator the way most people are going into car dealerships.
2: No, and of course the same principle applies there. The, the higher the ticket price on the car, the, the luxury item, then and it's certainly more it's applicable to new cars not used.
4: Correct, because with a new car, you know what you're getting. I actually know somebody who just got a Mercedes from CarQ, uh, the retail price was 87000 They got it for 75000 They saved them $12,000 on a high-end car like that. So to me, that's worth a $300 fee, <laughs> I would say. Uh,
2: you know, that's, uh, that's, that's math. That's good math there.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we agree. So, so that's, that's on cars. A lot of people get ripped off with cars. They don't even know they've been ripped off. They think they got a good deal. Yeah.
2: So one of the things you talked about, um, you know, was what to do if you can't afford your car loan. What if somebody's in a situation... Yes.
4: Yes. Okay, yeah. so, so here's a real growth business to go into, Rick and Eric. The repo business, okay? And the reason is a lot of people have bought cars recently they can't afford. And so their payments are too high and they're really struggling to pay for their car. So here's a website where you can actually stretch out your car loan and get your car payment down to something that's more affordable. And that website is myloangen.com. myloangen.com, free website. And what happens is you put in your existing payment, and how many months you have to go. I'm paying $300 a month for the next 36 months, whatever it may be. And there's a little dial you, you push on there and say, okay, let's take it from 36 months to 72 months. And now the payment's 150 instead of 300 whatever it may be. You click a button and you've just refinanced your car loan. Done.
2: That's simple.
4: <laughs> That's simple. I try to make it easy for you here, okay? A lot of people are really up against it. Because their car loan expenses are too high, and you don't want to lose your car if you can't get to your job, or you know it's, it's a basic necessity of life, and that's a way that most people do not know exists that you can refinance your car loan. And the cars are much better today, so they're going to last a long time. You don't want to refinance on a car that's about to die on you, right? But if you bought a relatively new car, it's in good shape. It's going to last for seven or eight years. Absolutely, uh, extend it out. Get your payment down. Don't lose your car. And, you know, you have a better financial
2: life. You know, as I think about this, the thought occurs to me, Eric, that, you know, a lot of our listeners on our show, you know, have accumulated wealth or want to accumulate wealth, may not be dealing with a lot of the issues that Jordan's talking about. But I'm going to tell you what, I don't think a day goes by that we don't hear from somebody somewhere who says, hey, my grandchild, my grandson, my granddaughter, my, Mm -hmm. you know, heaven forbid, my kids, you know, are dealing with some of these issues and I don't think always the best thing to do is to jump in, open up a checkbook. You know, you're just rescuing them. You're enabling them from, from bad behavior, whereas what Jordan's offering here are ways to help them help themselves.
4: And exactly. I exactly. I agree with you completely. Enabling somebody, they don't learn any lessons that way. Um, and some of the things we talked about, helping you pay your mortgage off faster, extending out your car loan. Uh, these are things that people can do, but they don't, they're not educated about this stuff. And again, the institutions – don't want to educate them about it. The banks no, they, love they, you to have they, a 30-year loan.
2: They love the ignorant masses because totally. that's how they drive their uh, their stock dividends. <laughs>
4: exactly. <laughs> now we've got it down. Yes, It's We're all a conspiracy. Time,
2: uh, in, in my career, how banks make money. And there's just just customer fees and all the things we're talking about here. But so interestingly enough, in the next part of the show, we're going to talk about two of the other pillars. One of them is safe alternatives, and the other one is in the area of insurance protections. You know, health insurance and life insurance. There's so some interesting things we'll talk about there. So be sure and contact us if you've got a question. We'll put you live on the air here and let you ask that question to Jordan or Eric and I at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. If you're a little shy and you don't want to hear your voice, then go to info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com. And don't forget, we've got a great giveaway today. We're, We're giving do. away Jordan's. Uh, Jordan's giving away five of them, and I'll give away five. So um, master your debt.
3: For the first five. First 10 total.
2: First 10. After that, then you got to pay the, uh, the retail price. We're trying to save you money here. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: what the show's about, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. Well, stay tuned. we got some great things coming up here in the next segment. You're listening to the Straight Talk, Clear Decisions radio show with your no-nonsense host, Rick Saylor.
3: And Eric Hamburg.
4: America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings.
2: Hey, have you heard about the new long term care alternatives? Many of you may know how I managed my mother's care and I took her through her money in the spend down into the veterans benefits. My father was a two-time Korean War vet and right into the Medicaid. She started out at $2,700 a month in assisted living and at the end of her life two years later it was over $8,000. The three concerns I hear the most about long-term care insurance protection is that it's expensive, the premiums are rising, and I may never use it, Well, why don't you try what I did? I bought a life insurance long-term care. They can't cancel me. The premiums can never go up. And, oh, yeah, I can spend that death benefit before I die if I'm critically, chronically, or terminally ill. Be sure and ask your advisor today.
1: Rick Sailor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life.
0: Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings.
2: Hey, what about estate planning? An up-to-date will guarantees you're gonna go through probate and without, well, don't worry about it, the government will decide for you. The three enemies to an estate today are number one, the federal inheritance tax, two, probate, and number three, income tax. So your choices here are you can give all your money away, that might not be any fun, you may need it, or you can create a trust to hold those assets. And remember, you don't have to own the assets to enjoy the benefits, so a revocable living trust can help avoid the expenses and costly delays of probate, and along with a living will, power of attorney, durable health care power of attorney. So be sure and ask about our attorney partners today for a free consultation.
1: Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life.
4: Business community's first choice in internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
0: Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it. The joy it brings.
2: Well, you're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions Radio Show with your no nonsense money host, Rick Saylor, and Eric Hamburg. So, continuing on this topic with our guest today, Jordan Goodman, and. Uh, Mastering Your Debt, How to Slash Your Monthly Payments and Become Debt-Free has been the theme we're on. You know, this segment, we're going to shift gears a little bit because now all this money that you have now saved and the tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, now you've got an opportunity where you can start doing some investing. So we're going to set our mantle aside for a while because Jordan's got some interesting ideas here. Sure. A lot
4: of people have a lot of money sitting around earning zero these days in CDs, money market funds, savings accounts, treasury bills. What's happening is savers are being punished and borrowers are being rewarded. Somehow that doesn't seem right, but that's the way it's going today. No, it doesn't. Um, So uh, there's a lot of people who are very scared. The stock market's at really very high levels. Bond yields are very low and have potential of interest rates going up. So they're scared about both stocks and bonds. And so they say, where am I supposed to put my money to get a safe yield? Uh, without taking huge amounts of risk. So let's go go into that. So one of the areas that I like to talk about, which most people have never heard about, are what are called commercial mortgage bridge loans. Commercial mortgage bridge loans. And what these are is a way for the average individual to earn 6% quite safely over one year. Uh, you get monthly checks, and then you get your money back at the end of the year. So they're lending money to high-quality commercial real estate projects. It could be um hotels, shopping centers, office buildings, apartment buildings, to renovate or improve their projects over a one-year period. They make the interest payments. Get your money back after the project is done. Uh, there's a free website. People can find out more about that, which is commercialmortgagebridgeloans.com. explains how the whole thing works. And that's been a great way for people to earn 6%. Now, this has been around for a long time. But for the most part, it's been an institutional product, meaning people are buying bridge loans a $100 million Quantity, Something like that. This is much more aimed at the retail now. Typically, fifty thousand is the minimum to get into these things these days. But uh, to earn six percent on fifty thousand, that would give you three thousand a year. You have a hundred thousand, that's giving you six thousand a year, and then you get your money back. There's a bunch of safety reasons why this is safe. Uh, the maximum loan to value on these loans is sixty-five percent. So There's a big what I call the equity cushion there as well. they lend it to high quality uh, borrowers who are, have a good financial track record, and they don't want to lose their buildings okay if you're want i'll just give you a recent example like there was a Hawaiian hotel resort appraised at 14 million. They were borrowing three million to fix up the rooms and put in a new restaurant. The guy's not going to miss payments on three million and lose a 14 million dollar property. You see what I mean so he yep. wants to do it to improve his property after the thing is done. Now he can charge more for his rooms. His sales of his restaurants are going to be more, and he'll pay back the interest quite easily, and he couldn't get a loan from the bank. Uh, the reason the bridge loan market is doing so well is the banks are super, super tight with lending to uh, particularly construction or short-term projects like that because of the Dodd-Frank regulation. So the growth of the commercial mortgage bridge loan market is an outgrowth of what I think is overregulation in Washington, with all the Dodd-Frank regulations. The Dodd-Frank law itself was over 2,000 pages. Now, that promulgates over 100,000 pages of rules, okay? Basically, the rules are telling banks, don't take any risk on anybody for the rest of human existence, okay? That's what they're telling them. <laughs> so that's nice, so they can you know lend all the money they want to General Electric and IBM and AAA credits. But meanwhile, out here in the real economy... People can't get loans, both individually and commercially. So that's why this has kind of become so popular these days, because these people want to do their projects. They want to get their hotel fixed up, or they want to do a new wing on their medical building, or fix up the apartments, whatever it may be. Can't get loans from banks. They do bridge loans for one year. Get it done, everybody's happy. So again, a website to find out more about that would be commercialmortgagebridgeloans.com.
3: Now, if somebody wanted to do it, say, for two or three years, is that possible, or are they just strictly a one-year? The,
4: the loans typically are, are one maximum like 18 months, typically. Now, if, as an investor, if you want to do it that, you could do it, – it matures every year, so you just do See, another one. You just redo it point and go point. from one loan to another. So as the investor, you're going to get your money back in a year, and you decide if you want to reinvest it or take it for something else. 95% of the people reinvest because they say, well, where else am I going to get 6% – no market fluctuation. By the way, there are no fees to the investors either because the way the loan originator makes money is they're charging a spread over the 6% to the borrower. So they may charge a total of 10, for example. The loan originator is going to keep 4. You, the investor, are going to get 6. So 100% of your money is getting 6% compared to a money management firm or a mutual fund or something like that where they're going to be charging asset management fees. So that's another good thing for the investor.
2: So let's just take a worst-case scenario, Jordan, and let's say mm-hmm. somebody, that $14 million project, the guy does default.
4: Yeah, so okay. Where, where
2: so where is this lender, the individual, in the food chain of default?
4: At first position. So when you take out a, a commercial bridge loan, you are in first position. Now, the loan originator actually takes a second position on every property. So they've got what's called the mortgage fund, which is a backing of that first position. So in the case of that default… Uh, they would pay off the first positions, interest and principal as due, which is an illegal contract called a promissory note. And they would love that because right they're going to foreclose on the property, sell it for $14 million, pay off the $3 million loan, and they're going to have an $11 million profit. They would be in heaven over something like that. It doesn't happen very often because these people – that guy doesn't want to lose his $14 million property. But in the case of a default, the loan originator makes a ton of money by capturing that equity spread.
2: Well, that's a good position to be in because usually when, uh, when people are looking at it, just as you said, it's these type, they've been around for a long time, but right. people just becoming aware because now they're pushed out of their comfort zone and they got to go beyond the bank on the corner down there. It used to pay them decent CD rates and now they kind of feel like, you know, they're paying the bank. Like they exactly.
4: So, some cases, in Europe, literally interest rates are negative, literally. You go to a German bank or a Swiss bank, and they'll pay minus 2%. You give them a dollar, and you'll give back 98 cents. So you literally are paying the bank to hold your money in in Europe. And that's starting to happen. I heard that Chase Manhattan Bank recently, for example, wanted to get rid of deposits. They don't know where to invest them. So they were charging companies fees to hold their deposits. So that's what's called a negative interest rate. (laughs) So things have gotten pretty strange out there.
2: Yeah, and, and bizarre times. I don't, we've never seen this in modern times, maybe in the 1930s, but we didn't have all the tools and everything.
4: In the 1930s, inter, you're correct. Interest rates went negative. In 1931 and 32, before the FDIC was uh, it, it created, remember, banks were going under, left and right. right? People, this is why people say they'd keep their money under the mattress, because they were not secure in the banks. The only place you could keep your money, other than the mattress, that was safe, was treasure bills. So 1931-32, treasure, U.S. treasure bills were literally minus 1 and minus 2 percent because it was the only safe place to keep your money. Now, once the FDIC came in, people felt more secure about putting the money in the banks. But we have had negative interest rates before the FDIC in the 1930s. You're correct.
2: So now moving on to a couple things. Now, I know there's some other things and we won't drill down on these like – Uh, mastered limited partnerships and business development corporations, closed-end funds, preferred stocks. Um, And those types of things can serve that. There's different rules and and different things that go with that, and there's no way we'd have enough time on the show. to Yeah, but there there
4: are other ways of earning. Now, I did another book called Fast Profits and Hard Times where I get into all the things you just talked about in some detail. And there's a website for that too, fastprofitsandhardtimes.com. But you're right. You do not have to have your money sitting there earning zero in CDs, money market funds, T-bills these days. So the things you just talked about, plus the commercial mortgage bridge loans, there's a way of earning 4 to 6% relatively safely. So let's move
2: on, Jordan, here in the last couple of minutes we've got and look at a couple different topics. We, you know, in the four pillars we've got, you know, okay, now you've, we're servicing debt at the right level, we're paying that off, we're getting some investment dollars going here, and now let's think about insurance for a minute. There's a couple sure. of topics here, like with the best health insurance and the best life insurance policy.
4: So let's talk about life insurance first. Traditionally, people buy whole life insurance as a cash value policy. What I like better are what are called index universal life or IUL. Your cash value grows with the S&P 500 index. That's the index part of it. When the market goes up, you participate to some extent. It's capped out typically like 13%. But when the market goes down like a 2008, you do not lose anything. You don't get anything, but in a year like that, you'd have a zero. So what I like about IULs is your money is growing when the market's going up. You're not losing when the market goes down. You can also use it for what's called living benefits, which is long-term care expenses. And you borrow out the cash value at retirement. So your money is growing tax-free according to the stock market. You're taking it out tax-free in retirement. So that's my favorite thing, uh, so-called index universal life.
2: Yeah, we have seen those. We, we like that as well, particularly in the we, you know, the long-term care uh, alternative. Right. And a couple things we like about that – you know, we look at and, and our partner does all the long term care stuff and they've got everything from soup to nuts over there. But one of the things we're almost 100 percent sure of is that traditional use it or lose it long term care kind of policies or are, are the premiums have got to go up simply because you've got this huge demographic train. We call it, you know, people born in 1932 are turning 83 this year, yeah. and people born in 1964 are turning, what, 51, and the train's just going to keep coming through the station.
4: And it's already been happening. The premiums for Absolutely. long-term care have gone up dramatically, 40 50% in many cases, um, and it's harder to get as well. Uh, what happened is the insurance companies that offered that starting in about the early 1980s vastly underestimated uh, the longevity and, and how long people would hold on to those policies. And then they start having claims. They were getting many more claims than they were expecting. People are living longer. They're not only nursing homes but home health care aids, things like that. So they mispriced these policies and now people buying them are making it up. So that's one of the things about the IULs. In Index Universal Life, you get what are called living benefits, which means you can use your cash value during your life for long-term care expenses. So that's a better way to go than buying an extremely expensive long-term care policy today.
2: Now, we've actually seen where you can actually use the death benefit on an accelerated basis as opposed to cash value. Have you seen those?
4: You can do that, accelerated death benefits. It's not as easy as the long-term care, the living benefits of IULs. But yes, people are using the benefits of life insurance, which is designed to pay a death benefit to the beneficiaries, using it much more in their current lives today. So it's helping the owner of the policy, not just the beneficiaries.
2: And we like that too because of the leverage. The other thing is, is that now in IUL, there's some things, there's internal components. You know, insurance life insurance rates are going up all the time, so it's not fixed. But the other side, the tradeoff is, is that like you said, it's indexed into um, you know the S P
4: five hundred
2: or some index you can't directly invest into, but it's you know it's part of those. But in the
4: long run, the stock market does well. It has bad times, but if you look over the long term, that's the way to grow your money. And if you're doing the S P five hundred, you're beating most other mutual funds passively. So that's a really good way without having to pick individual stocks to make your money grow in a tax-free environment. You know, we have an IRA, 401k, those are tax deferred, which means at 70 and a half, the IRS has its moment of glory and they get money out of you for all those years of tax deferral. With insurance, it's tax-free. The growth is tax-free and you take it out tax-free by borrowing it. So that's why I like IULs.
2: So if you can give us, I know we're running out of time here, if you can give us about 45 seconds on the best health insurance policy.
4: Well, I like what it calls medical repricing policies, and there's a website for that too, medicalrepricing.com. I like as high a deductible and as low a premium as possible. Under the Obamacare, you've got four levels. There's platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. If you're, gonna, if you're basically in good health, do the silver and bronze. Keep the money in your pocket. Only have the health insurance kick in when you have some major disaster. Handle the little stuff yourself.
2: That makes sense because, you know, if you're you're putting a third party in the equation, and I'll just toss my two cents in the ring on this, that uh, some couple books that were written really well, John Stossel commented on that, and then Dr. Ben Carson talks about it on a regular basis. But uh, the fact that probably since insurance got involved in the distribution of health care, it's gone up at least – contributed at least 40%. Right. To the so delivery of services. I'd rather
4: have the money in my pocket than in the insurance company's pocket. So okay. You're basically okay. healthy. Keep your premiums as low as possible, deductibles as high as possible, and you'll come out ahead.
2: We like that. Well, Jordan, it's been great having you on the show. And again, if you'll call in at 866-472-5790 or info at com, we're going to give away uh, 10 books, Master Your Debt. And you can read this for yourself and start to explore some of this on your own. So uh, it's been a great show, Eric. It has been. We're getting Thanks so much, for- Rick
4: and Eric. Appreciate it very much. They can always contact me at moneyanswers.com. I love to take emails from Voice America listeners.
2: Thank you very much, Jordan.
4: Thank well, you, you both. Been- Appreciate it.
2: You've been listening to the Straight Talk, Clear Decisions radio show with your no-nonsense money hosts, Rick Saylor.
3: And Eric Hamburg.